Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hi, I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Today, we are lucky to be joined by Jeff Blades. Man, that is a cool name. Jeff had a big-time career at Goldman Sachs and then at Carlisle before he left to discover what really made him happy. Now Jeff is a successful author and CEO coach, helping others to realize their dreams. In this podcast, Jeff lays out a five-step system for how you can become your best and happiest. Before we do that, let me tell you how the Wall Street Oasis investment banking and private equity courses may be an important step on that process for you. Jeff talks about acquiring skills and this course will do just that for you. It did it for me and thousands of others. So check it out and make sure you say podcast is where you heard about it. Well, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. We're lucky to have you. I know you've had a busy summer traveling through Europe, but awesome to have you. And thanks so much for being here. Alex, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to do it. I've been posted to WSO. I've been using the forums and I'm excited to to share more on the podcast. Okay, I think the audience is anxiously awaiting, so let's get into it. Tell us, now you are a CEO coach, a leader to business um, executives, but that's not always where you were. You started off working at Goldman Sachs in their investment banking group, so I'd love to hear about how you got from Goldman Sachs to where you are today. Great. Well, you know, really, my, my career today is what I wish someone had done for me when I first stepped back and started asking these sorts of questions. I was an analyst in Australia at Goldman. I moved to Menlo Park in, I got the job in 1999 when Silicon Valley was the hottest place on the planet. I moved there in 2000, right after the tech bubble burst. And at that point in time, I I loved banking. I thought I would be there for the rest of my career. I, I loved Goldman. And then when the tech bubble burst, everything changed for me. And there's a number of variables that went into it, but one of those things that it forced me to do was just to step back and to think about my career differently. Half the office got laid off from associates who had graduated from Stanford and Harvard. Uh, VPs, MDs got laid off, people who were 10, 15 years ahead of me. And it really forced me to step back and to look at the career differently. And I started asking two big questions, Alex. The first was, what do I really want? You know, what do I really want? Is this the career that I want? Is this the life that I want? And I didn't know. I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. And that question would come to dominate the next, call it, decade of my life. 
But the second question was something much more specific, which is I recognize that no matter where you're headed, wherever you want to get to, there's only one way to get there, and that's from where you are right now. And so looking around the environment of investment banking and sitting at Goldman, I started to ask myself very strategically, how do you win in this job? How do you get what you want in this career? How do you get the career working for you? Right? Everybody shows up. Everybody's working hard, head down, work hard. But how many people get what they want? How many people are creating the careers they want? How many people are creating the lives that they truly want? And so I stepped back and focused on those two big questions. And some 10 years later, Alex, the only answer that made sense to me was to leave Wall Street and to share what I had learned. And that led me to leave and start writing my first book. That led me to lead clients to come to me, something I'd never anticipated. And I started taking on clients. My first client was a, a VP. Should he leave Goldman and take a different job? My second had already left investment banking and was starting his own asset manager. And I just started taking on clients and building it from there. Today, we're building a consulting firm to do what we do on an institutional level. So if we can go in and serve a partner at Goldman and make that person's career much better, what can we do for the firm to help everybody create better careers, to help everybody get more of what they want? And in the end, it comes back to how do you just get better and better at the job so you win more? Right. And that makes awesome sense. I love this story. But tell me, Jeff, what's the transition? So for the first 20 years of your life, you were probably pretty focused. I want to go do investment banking. You got it. You're working at the top firm in a great industry. And then you achieve that. And then it's like, okay, what's next? How do I maximize my happiness from here? And then you kind of pivoted. And do you, do you think that that's a common thing to do? Is to I mean, you were able, obviously able to accomplish your number one goal, getting Goldman Sachs. Then from there, how do you accomplish accomplish your next goal? Well, you know, Alex, actually, it's a little more nuanced than that, meaning that I didn't even know what investment banking was, right? I came from Melbourne, Australia, you know, working poor Melbourne, Australia, where my part-time jobs were working at KFC, not you know, at Morgan Stanley or whatnot. Uh, when I went to university at, in Australia, very few banks actually hire out of university. It's a very small industry in many ways. It's larger now. So I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. I didn't know anything about investment banking, but I just knew one thing, Alex. From about age 10, my only question in life was, how do I create the most amazing life I could imagine? I just wanted to create the best life that I could, and that led me to work hard in part-time jobs. It ultimately led me to study hard in school, led me to do the same thing in university. But the mission for me at that time was never a job in investment banking. The mission was what's the best job I could get, and that led me to Goldman Sachs. Now, I was a finance major as well, so if I condition it, more, put more boundaries, what's the best job I can get in business? And that was the job at Goldman Sachs, and I did get that job. But as you, to, as you said, it wasn't because I loved investment banking. I didn't know much about it. It was I saw it as a vehicle to create the life that I truly wanted. The most amazing life I could imagine was the mission. And Goldman, at that point, was the vehicle. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And then I guess at some point when you're working there, you have this idea and epiphany that working here isn't 
going to maximize my lifestyle and something else maybe could. Is that kind of how it worked? That's exactly it. So when the internet bubble burst and compensation got cut in half, the, the dynamics of the job changed dramatically. Uh, a number of my colleagues got let go. It really got me to step back and think differently. And the line I use in my first book, Alex, is I've drawn up a pie chart of my life. I looked at that small sliver labelled not work and I asked myself, is this the life I dreamed of as a kid? Is this what I truly want to do every day? And the truth for me is that I really liked investment banking. I was never someone who, who came in and hated it. I, I didn't understand how people would sit in analyst training and count down the number of days that they would be there. I really liked it. I thought I'd be there for the rest of my career. But when I stepped back, Alex, I was asking a different question. What do I love? What do I absolutely just want to do every day? And I wasn't going home at night reading about deals, thinking about deals, wanting to talk about deals. And what I started at that point in my life was a new phase where I was going home every night reading books on how you get what you want, reading books on the mind and psychology and goal setting and success and really trying to figure out the things that I wish we were taught in school which is how do you figure out what you want in life and how do you get it? How do you create the life you truly want? Right. And I think there's kind of two points to that. The first is just identifying what you want, right? Absolutely. And so you were lucky. You were able to do that. You came home and you were reading books on mindset management and optimal performance. But a lot of people probably don't know. They come home and they watch Netflix and they fall asleep, right? So how do you identify what it is, the, the first step? So I would, I would call that the search process, right? So your question of what do I want, I wasn't lucky. It took me nine years to answer that question and thousands of books. And my commitment was that I was unwilling to stop at anything short of that. I was unwilling to spend my life doing something that I didn't want to do every day. And so I dedicated myself, the most important thing in my life, became how do I figure out what that thing is? And nine years later, Alex, the truth of it is that I, I found out that it's a false answer. So as you said, a number of people say, well, if only I knew what I wanted, then I could go get it. And that's BS. That's the excuse. See, that's the excuse that people make because they either know what they really want, but they're too afraid to actually go after it. Or they're unwilling to start the search process. So if you reach that point where you say, well, I just don't know what I want, the natural question becomes, well, so what are you actually doing to try and figure that out? What is your process to figure it out? And the point that you're making is a great way to put it, which is where I got lucky is that I found an answer that I love. I found this thing that I love to do every single day. I love to do it for myself. I love to do it for other people. Yet the real trick to it is are you willing to start a search process and explore your life in ways that you haven't before. So here's something that sounds pretty obvious, which is if you keep asking the same questions, you get to the same answers. So instead, I went and read thousands of books. I went and changed up a lot of stuff in my life to try and figure out, well, what is that thing that I really, truly want? And as I said, I realized it's a false question. What do I want is a false question. The valid question is, what specifically can you do today that helps you keep exploring that question? See, it's not that we're going to reach a point in life and suddenly we figured it out and I figured out exactly what I want. It's that 
This is a question that we answer throughout our lives. At every point in time, we keep inventing the answer. If we're bold enough to keep on that search, to keep going for what we truly want in life. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes awesome sense. It's a continuous process and it's constantly evolving. Perfect, Alex. And now you're into the system, right? You're into the system I built that is detailed in in two of my books, which is that the goal isn't to find some fixed answer that this is what I want and then you spend your life doing it. The goal is to establish a process in life, what I call the system for doing what you want, establish a process in life where you're constantly living it, where you may have just landed. You know, I landed at Carlisle. I took 18 months off to after I left Goldman to focus on these topics full-time for 18 months, and I still didn't figure out what I wanted. Again, Alex, I was falling for the same mistake. Oh, man, I'm just going to – one day I'm just going to wake up and know what I want. Instead, I woke up and realized I didn't know what I wanted, and so I went back to Wall Street. And joining Carlisle gave me new information. A couple months later, it was obvious to me that wasn't my path. And then I got focused on again. So what is it that I want? But again, I was looking at it differently because I'd taken the journey another step. That gave me more information. That information gives you more to iterate on to keep moving towards what it is that you truly want. Right. And I love that the Carlisle piece, maybe it wasn't exactly right, but it was part of your journey. And without it, who knows where you would be, right? Absolutely right. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's there's also something with just being comfortable with where you are and looking to maximize the opportunities that are in front of you and really not trying to worry so much about things that you can't control. That's absolutely right. And you're hitting on something that's really foundational as well. And it's, it's subtle, but it's very, very powerful, which is this. Many people who are stuck in places that they don't want to be in jobs they don't want to be in or relationships they don't want to be in or some other way that they feel trapped in their life, that becomes a very negative experience for them, right? They spend their lives bitching and moaning about what they hate about job, their job. You know, Monday morning is like this horrendous ordeal just to get to work. And that negative state, right, that negative emotion that they bring into their daily life is what blocks them from finding a better answer, Right. So to your point, which is, you know, a way I phrase it is, you know, love the one you're with. Right. Which is even if I didn't want to be at Carlisle, I know that I'm there now. So I'm there already. So what am I going to do in my mind so that I make the most of it while I'm there and that I stay in a great mindset so I can dream up opportunities so I can get excited about things. See, a lot of the time, Alex, people say, I don't know what I want. and They're all pissed off and frustrated but from that place, they're not creating any new ideas. Right. That's, that's the mindset part. You know, if you actually back it up, leaving, starting in 2000 at Goldman, I'm in technology banking in Menlo Park. I decide that's not where I want to build my career for different reasons. And I start to make moves inside the firm. This is what started the work for me, which is, all right, how do you get what you want? Don't know what I want, but I do know I'm here now. So how do I keep navigating this career path inside Goldman. That led me to make another three job changes, all of which were oriented towards building a skill set to move to the buy side. I didn't know, Alex, that I would be moving to the buy side, but what I knew was that I wanted to create more and more options. 
And so as I did that, I left Goldman Sachs from leverage finance, and that gave me more options I perceived if I wanted to move to the buy side. So if you, if you will, for a number of years on Wall Street, I figured banking isn't what I want to do, but the buy side is the answer. So naturally, when I went back again and thought about what's that next phase, it led me to the buy side. It was 2006, and I knew that the credit bubble was – um, you know, the credit bubble was already overly inflated, and so I wasn't going to go to private equity. I went into distressed at Carlisle. So it was the ideal place to be sitting at that point in time. What I realized was it wasn't the career I wanted to be in, it wasn't the business I wanted to be in, but it was an incredible place to learn a set of skills and to be participating in a really fascinating time in our financial history. So there was a lot to be, there was a lot of lemonade to be made from that. But what did I do? I just kept doing what I had done for the previous eight years, which is I started reading more books. I went back to the books. I went back to my writing. I went back to my notes, and I just kept going on the search process. Right, and I want to get into that moment when you said, this is not it. I'm leaving. I'm giving up all this money, and I'm going to go follow my passion right now, which is advising Wall Street professionals, CEOs. What, what was that moment? Well, this is the other thing as well that, uh, you know, for what it's worth, and I get these questions a lot from people, which is I had decided that I was going to resign from Goldman Sachs two plus bonuses before I resigned, right? So over two years at Carlisle, I knew very quickly that I wouldn't be there for very long, and I determined that that would be three years. So I spent a number of years in both of these jobs knowing I was going to resign but doing the things that made sense, putting money in the bank, collecting experiences, making sure that when I did leave, I knew what I was going to leave to do. Right. When at Carlisle, after another couple of years of reading books and thinking, that was the epiphany moment, Alex. That was where it just struck me, right? It was literally like this thing that struck me. It said, there's only one thing that I care about, man. There's only one thing that I'm focused on. For almost 10 years, I'd kept asking this question, how do we get what we want? And it was at that point it became obvious to me that I was going to leave Wall Street and go share that. Now, what was not obvious, Alex, was what that even meant. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know anything about writing a book. I didn't even know anything about the book world. I certainly didn't know anything about being, you know, quote, unquote, an executive coach right, or being an advisor to leaders because I didn't see anyone who had done that. But I only knew one thing, which is this was the stuff that I had become so in love with, so obsessed with. How do we create the lives we want? And that I needed this. I needed this my entire career. I needed this for myself. And I figured that other people did as well. And so I resolved to leave Wall Street, even though I didn't have basically any of it figured out. I resolved to leave Wall Street and figure it out. Right. So you leave and... And what you write, you immediately start working on a book. You think that's the that's the way to do it? <laughs> I leave, and that's when it actually got hard. That's when it got really hard. Exactly what you just said, which is, I figured I'm going to put up this website, I'm going to start writing this book, and I just got stuck. Right? It was just so hard. I'd never written anything in my life. I mean, again, I just I determined to do this thing. But I'd never written anything. The stuff I'd been writing for a number of months, I had printed up and read it, and it was awful. It was mostly unreadable. And that's when I went back to my playbook again, right? 
You know, the second part we haven't talked about since we hit on it earlier in the call, which is the first part is how do you figure out what you want? The second part is how do you get it? Right? How do you get so good that you can actually achieve the goals that you want to achieve? And so coming back to 2010, I leave Wall Street. I find myself, Alex, in the worst place I've ever been in. I'm stuck in this thing. I can't write. My mind starts to go out of control. Now I'm worrying about, well, am I screwed? What, what, what am I going to do with my life? Have I messed all this up? And so I needed to be able to work through all of that, build the skills to write, and then, by the way, even figure out what does it look like as a business. And so I needed, in a very simple way, I just needed to get better. I just needed to look at the tasks that I had assigned myself and get as good as I could at doing it. Right, and that's a scary process. It it, it, it is scary. You know, to be quite honest with you, that's how I've lived my entire life. When I woke up in high school and got serious about school, I'd never studied in my life. I didn't care about school. I was 16 and I didn't understand why school mattered. I, you know, most of it just seemed like memorizing junk. And But what I realized was that those were the two years that really counted. So having never really cared about school, I had to learn to become a good student. Getting to university, same thing. Getting to Goldman Sachs, again, in any of these professions, there's mentoring, there's training, there's great people around you, but it's always on your own back. The only way to win in these tough careers is that you take it upon yourself to actually figure out what it takes to win and to build yourself into the person who could do it. And so in some ways, Alex and I had the same thing at Carlisle. I went in as a vice president. I'd never been on the buy side. And I need to figure out very quickly how was I going to succeed in that job. And so for me, it was it's kind of a natural progression of my life to throw myself into things that are overwhelmingly hard and figure out how to do it. Right. And that's very cool. That's awesome. It's a testament to your drive, your work ethic, your smartness, determination that you're able to triumph in all of those situations. It is, it is, man. But you know, to, you know, to be to be more um, modest about it, you know, in all seriousness, I only have one mode, right? That mode is this is what I'm doing, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes, right? I'm willing to do whatever it takes to succeed at it, and you see that in my work. That's my business, right? Which is, I'm looking for people in the world who are looking to do great things who are looking to take on really hard tasks and to become as good as they can get at doing them. You know, my work, my work isn't for most people. Most of my friends on Wall Street have never read my first book because most people are just going to simply show up every day, do their thing and go home. But people who want to truly manifest an amazing reality for themselves, people who have big goals, who have bold goals, who really truly want to go for it in life, they set themselves with a very different standard. And that standard is what are you willing to do to get what you want? What are you not willing to do? Right. So for someone who's listening to this podcast right now and is saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I have a positive attitude. I work hard. What do I need to do? What do you tell that person? What level are they? So they're just graduating school. They're looking for their first job or like they're in their first job it's not quite right but they know i'm destined for big things i want to light the world on fire you tell them read my first read my first book what's your what's their first uh, step 
Great question. So I would start, right? So I would start with if you back up the truck, right, just one step before that, think of all success in life as a process. Now, again, our, our society doesn't teach us any of this stuff, and, and most success in our society is seemingly some sort of mystery, right? But if you get really methodical about it, you see that all success can be broken down into method, into process, and and be made systematic if you choose to do it, right? So even just come back to where you started. All right, you just got, you're just starting your job. Everybody who just got a great job knows they can look back on the process that got them that job, right? What was that process? Well, at some point they set that goal. At some point they had to figure out what are all the parameters that will lead me to be successful in getting that job. It's grades in school. Okay, so how do I get good grades in school? It's what other things on the resume, it's other work experience. These things I would just call getting it. What is getting it in actually getting that job? Then you would step back and you'd have a plan. Then you would execute it. And then the final step is that you need the skills to actually land that job. Again, this is one of the things that I love about WSO. What do you do? You teach people the skills they need to get the job. Right. It's not just reference guides. These are skills. And the stuff that I started writing originally on WSO was all about influence, which is how do you actually interview better than everyone else? Right. Again, none of this is a mystery to me. But again, it comes back to what are you willing to do? So if you get really serious about getting the job, you make a study of influence. You make a study of the interview. And now fast forward to your actual question and you apply exactly that same mantra. You landed in an investment banking program. You're looking at 200 kids around you, right? In a large shop, maybe you're looking at 10 kids around you in a smaller shop. And then your question becomes, what do I want from this? By the way, you may not have an answer. The answer might be, I don't know, but I'm here for two years. Great. That's the first step in my system, right? Define the goal. You don't need to know if 20 years from now you want to be a partner in that firm. All you need to know right now is the goal that's right in front of you. You have to get established and you have to make it through whatever that one, two, three-year period is to that next goal, whether that's to choose business school, whether that's to choose sticking around, whether it's to make a move to the buy side or somewhere else. But what's that goal that you're choosing right now? And here's the trick, Alex. You've got to turn that goal to a process. So, for instance, you're sitting in investment banking, you know, two years from now, you're going to have your best options. The best options will be available to you if you've been a great analyst. All right, great. So what's the process to be a great analyst? What does it actually take to be a great analyst? And then every day, come in and do that. That's step two, right? So what's step two in the system? It's called getting it. What's getting it for an analyst? You know when you're in banking, Alex, and everyone says, he gets it and she gets it and they'll never get it? What does it actually mean to get it? What does it actually mean to win as an analyst in banking? You know, one is obviously hours, right? If you work more hours and you, you know, you put in more face time, again, things that we don't like to talk about, but are facts of the business. If you're more reliable, right? If you are faster and excel, so your production turnarounds faster, you can literally create a handful of things that say, what is getting it in banking? What does it actually relate to? How do you actually win at this? And there are five principles that I list out in my book. One is performance, right? What does it mean to actually perform? And how do you get methodical about that? 
Two, what are the processes that lead you to win? Three is people. How do you get really good with people? Because every aspect of the job relates to people. Four is how do you control your destiny? So rather than just getting staffed on whatever someone staffs you on, how do you take control of the sort of things that you want to get staffed on? And five I call feed forward. Feed forward is basically how do you manage your reputation inside the job? How are you getting so clear on what it really takes for you to win and then getting systematic in doing it? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Super actionable. Step three, right? So that's just step that's step two of the of the five step system, right? So that's getting it, really getting really clear. What does it take to win? By the way, apply the same thing. You you want a really simple one? Your partner at Goldman Sachs. What does it take to run Goldman Sachs? Right? Here's the answer: drive more revenue. Okay, so how do you get really really good at driving more revenue for the firm? An answer is get really good at building relationships and selling. Right? Do you see it when you really just get crystal clear on what actually leads to success in that job or in any venture that you do? Then you can hone in on actually doing it, right? Right. That makes it much more manageable, much more clear. Here's what I need to do. Here's what I need to do in the next week, month, and I'm going to go do it. Alex, can you imagine – You start in investment banking as an associate, right? A lot of associates start there. What nobody tells them is, hey, guys, you've got 15 years to drive revenues, okay? The only thing that matters is when you get to a senior level, are you able to drive revenues? Because if you think you're really good as a deal guy, it doesn't matter. That's a commodity. To get to a senior level and really, truly win as a senior leader of any of these firms, you must have revenue next to your name. So imagine someone said that to a class of associates. Okay, so you've got 10 to 15 years to become really good at driving revenue. What's your process for doing that? How do you get excellent at actually doing that? Right. Well, the process to do that requires you being excellent at your job right now, not the job that you're going to be at in 15 years. So you have, But it's a, it's a step-by-step process. Correct. That's exactly it. And then you're at step three, right? Step three of my system what I call plan it, right? Lay out your plan. You just you just nailed it, by the way, Alex. You don't need to be thinking about mastering selling for another seven years, but if you start right now reading books on selling, reading books like How to Win Friends and Influence People, actually becoming skillful at the way that you build relationships, 10 years later, you'll be a master at it. So step three is design your plan. Design your internal work streams. What do you need to manage inside the firm in order to win? And your external work streams. What does it take to actually get really good at building a commercial business? Step four, Alex, you hit it. Every day show up and execute. That's it. It doesn't matter what you need to execute three weeks from now. How do you just get so excellent every day at executing better and better? Step five, Alex. This is a hard one, man. In all seriousness, most people resist this. Very few people will ever follow it. Build skills. (laughs) I call step five getting skills. Ask yourself, Alex, how many people do you know who are reading every day? How many people do you know who are building new skills? How many people do you know who are mastering new skills? Right. If you put all these five steps together in this system, what do they say? Get really clear on what you want. Two, figure out what does it really take to win. That's getting it. Step three, have a plan. Step four, execute every day. Step five, be maniacal about getting better and building more skills. 
If you're a hedge fund trader, what is the skill of being excellent at trading, right? What are the skills to be an excellent trader? They're not trading, right? The phrase trading is not a skill. What's the skill? It's every one of the skills that goes into being excellent at that job. Managing the mind, right? How do you manage stress? How do you adjust for cognitive biases so you're not pulled into confirmatory biases and all these other things? So how do you get so methodical about what it actually takes to win in that job and then systematically every day just get better and better at doing it? Right, and these are skills that are applicable at any job, not just invest in banking and hedge funds. This is what, how you should be living your life. If you want to get what you want, or you can just go with the masses of men and women who will never get what they want. They'll show up every day and they'll, you know, they'll get their life beaten out of them for the next 50 years, right? Again, if you come back to Wall Street, Wall Street, you know, Wall Street is a highly competitive world where very few people actually truly win. The vast majority of people are just showing up, filling space. And then a very small number of people actually truly crush the career. Do you want to be one of the other ones or do you want to be one of those people who win? If you do, you get methodical about it. Yep. I mean, that seems like a simple question to me. Okay, Jeff. Well, this was awesome. I think there is incredible advice here. I hope our listeners take it to heart. And uh, we're truly lucky to be speaking with you. Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, you're welcome, Alex. Thank you for having me. All right, Jeff. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm Alex Grodnick, and you've been listening to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. If you would like to get in touch with me to get some advice on your journey, you can contact me, alex at wallstreetoasis.com. We have much more coming, so please stay with us.